0: So here's the real mystery. How do regular folks like you and me who have families and real lives, who have careers and regular nine to fives really fare in the personal finance game? Why are some hugely successful while others fail miserably time and time again? Those are the glaring questions and this podcast will give you the answers. This is Empower You Financial with Eva Palacios.
1: Okay, welcome everyone to another edition of Empower You Financial with Eva Palacios. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Once again, I'm your host, Charles McGill. I'm so excited uh, to, you know, come together again with Eva and just have a, a talk about what's going on. Eva, how you doing out there?
2: Oh my gosh, I'm doing fabulous. I, I got a, it got a little bit off to a rough start this morning, but you know what? We're, we're doing good now. We're doing good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I know you, you guys sent me that text and I was praying for you, hoping everything worked out. So I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad things are well now. <laughs> Thank you. I will take um,
2: all the prayers right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> amen, amen. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, how are you doing with this? Um, I mean, just recently, you know, um, well, I don't know if it was a yesterday or whenever it was, um, and people on, on the podcast may be hearing this at different times, but Basically, uh, Governor Newsom. Uh, if you, for you that don't know, me and Eva are both in California, Stockton, California, and uh, specifically around the corner, even more specifically yeah. um, <laughs> from each other. <laughs> um, but uh, Governor Newsom just announced, um, you know, basically, hey, we're going back to March, we're going back to Phase right. One, shutting everything down. Uh, Eva, how, how's that? How, how you? <laughs> How's that working out for you right now?
2: Man, it's seriously—it's like two steps. What? What is it? One step forward, two steps back. Like it's insane. And um, I just remember when when it first went down back in March. All I said was, "You know what? It'll be done by June. It'll be done by June." And June came, and the numbers dropped. And now all of a sudden, you know, they reopened everything, and the numbers spiked instantly. And I was like, Are you kidding me? Like, can't we just all work together? But no, no, we can't just work together because we don't live in perfect worlds, right? <laughs> so, um,
1: yeah, I, I don't, yeah.
2: For me, I mean, nothing personally has changed. I mean, I've been working from home for years, so I don't really have to adapt to anything. But when we first got shut down. I remember having a little bit of a mental breakdown because I'm so used to like going out and networking and meeting people and shaking hands and Mm -hmm. Starbucks dates and all of that good stuff. So when that gets taken away and you're literally indoors four walls seeing the same faces every day <laughs> it gets a little crazy sometimes but that's i'm used right. to it now
1: <laughs> all right that's right it's a real test like how much do you really love your family right? how much How much do you really love the people um that you live with right and um yeah. which is which is a good thing I, I think it's you know ultimately it's been a um A very interesting thing. Um, I think COVID has had a way of kind of um, you know exposing the wounds, you know exposing um, certain gaps that we've had in our society for a long time. Um, That's that's another direction. But um, just in terms of uh, you know, what I wanted to say to me, what what I've noticed is just kind of like the new normal. You know, it's just uh, I've been seeing a lot of memes um, of people doing things like, uh, yeah, hold on, uh, keys, check wallet check, um shopping list check. Oh, forgot my mask, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always yeah. running back to get your mask. And I and that's that's me. Like I'm I'm constantly going. I go walking. I'll do stuff. And then I'm like, oh man, I forgot my mask. I have to jump, you know, go back. Um and it's always so awkward sometimes, um, like when you're out now and you know everyone has a mask, you see that person that doesn't have a mask. <laughs>
2: Right? Like, uh, how they get special? But why are they so special? They don't got a mask?
1: What? Oh, <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, excuse me, did you uh, not get the memo? We, they got we that mask over here. They got
2: that immunity boost.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need one. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's it's, it's a trip. Um, you know, but, it, and the thing is, like, I've noticed that despite, though, all of these, like, changes in, in, in our society and how we go about Uh, you know, working with each other and communicating and dealing with each other. Some things is just, you know, the same from what I can see. And from what I can see, you know, um, people still buying stuff. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yes. And and some are buying crazy stuff and some (laughs) are being very intentional with the monies that they have. And that is what excites me when yeah. people are actually doing things that are investments or things that are going to improve their life that's yeah how you should be focused on spending money not on crazy things that don't matter next week
1: yeah yeah now i think that's always like you know um that's always you know something that people kind of wonder about i i just re- recently saw uh someone do a video about um they had a, a pair of shoes that they had purchased and they asked the question, um, is this an asset or a liability? Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was kind of a trick question, right. Cause I think most people would say it's a liability, but his point was, was that he, these shoes, particularly he were holding were very rare shoes. Um, and the shoes that he bought were for like $150, but Um, because they were released some time ago and you can't buy them anymore anywhere else. Um, If he was to sell them on a, you know, a shoe auction place, (laughs) they're now worth hundred dollars more than that. So he's like, actually, (laughs) you know, this is an asset. Um, So the question for you that I have today, because I've been thinking a lot about this, um, you know, it seems like, you know, we're always, you know, so critical. Well, people who are trying to be more conscious around their finances, we're always asking ourselves that question, you know, what are the things that I should be investing in? What are the things that I should be, you know, um, not worrying about so much, Um, you know, and, and, and so could you offer up, you know, maybe a suggestion around like, what is a good investment that is pretty much always going to be a good investment uh, if there is such a thing?
2: Right. Right. Because, you know, the first thing people are going to say, well, you know, investments there's risks
3: right there's
2: <laughs> risks and yes it could grow or it could dip the question is is mm-hmm. what are you buying and i think for me my most favorite investment is real estate real mm-hmm. estate because it's not just like buying stocks where you buy something but it's not tangible you can't hold it it doesn't put food on your table right then and there it doesn't put a roof over your head um mm-hmm. But home ownership is so important. And I think people forget that it is an investment that could potentially build equity. And and I don't know why people forget or maybe they're just not knowledgeable enough on how that works. I have friends that are very content in paying rent and I'm like, you're paying someone else's mortgage. Like right now you're building somebody else's equity. Why wouldn't you do that for yourself? You know, somebody who's single, no kids, nothing. They're like, oh, well, I don't like, why would I buy a house? Like I don't have any family because you don't want to throw away money paying rent. That's why. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that that I have to say is my most favorite investments. I have never been... And nor will I ever try to claim any education in the stock market area. Like I'm learning that right now. And I'm just so Mm -hmm. grateful of the network of people that are around me that are constantly like, hey, Eva, you got to look into this. You got to do this. And I have my money here. You might want to take a look at this type of stuff because I have no clue when it comes to that. But real estate, Mm -hmm. let's go.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about real estate too, because I mean, I've, I've, I have, you know, friends and and, and family too, that, that also talk about this kind of dilemma around, should I purchase or should I not? And it kind of, I've seen it where it depends on your family kind of makeup sometimes, because in some families, it's really important. That's what you get taught since you're um, younger is to purchase your home and other families, not so much, right? Right. It's, It's not such a priority. Um, I think people sometimes also, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it's like that easy to do. Right. I mean like <laughs> um, you know, for people who aren't aware of it, right? They're just like, right. man, you know, to buy a house, they want like your uh, a DNA sample, your your your, <laughs> your first <laughs> your firstborn, they <laughs> you gotta give them all these documents. They wanna know <laughs> like what is going on? Um, so you know <laughs> you know, just you know, just being real and to be full transparent. Mm-hmm. I have not bought my first home. Um, you know, yes. and that's, that's something that actually I am looking to do. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes. But since you've purchased several homes, um, like what was your experience like when you purchased your first home? I've you, you've purchased not only multiple homes, but also investment properties. What, what, what's been, what was your experience when you first got into this game? And did someone teach you like, how did, how did all that happen?
2: Yeah. So Again, luckily for me, I just spent a lot of time learning everything that I could at my job because that was a part of one of the financial education courses was the road to home ownership and understanding real estate and understanding as a first-time home buyer what to expect and not to freak out when you see all of these different things you've got to gather the documents you've got to gather, the income you've got to prove, you know, the fees for doing things like an appraisal and inspection, like don't freak out. And I just have to say, because of that education, I felt it was a piece of cake to buy my first house. Like I was just so informed that it was an awesome, amazing experience. Like, yeah, I do have friends that have horror stories when they bought their first house and all of this crazy things happening at closing or during the process. And I'm like, first of all, number one, why didn't you come to me? (laughs) Number two, (laughs) if you don't know this information, you better connect with somebody who knows the information. And this is where having the team of people is helpful. Having the right real estate agent, having the right loan officer, having the right people in those spaces to help educate you on, look, this is what we're going to go through. It's probably going to be a 30 to 60 day process, give or take, but I want to prepare you for all of this so that you're not freaking out in between the transaction. So for me, thankfully, I learned it at my old job and And even though I learned how to become a really good shopper, and when you become a really good shopper at one thing, you're a really good shopper at a lot of different things. But um, even though I became a really good first-time home buyer, that one transaction, like just because you buy one house don't mean you know it all. That lesson taught Mm -hmm. me how to buy my second and my third and now investment and things like that. So... Yeah. Where do people go right now? I know because of the field, the industry that I'm in, I know real estate agents that offer first-time home buyers workshops and seminars and Zoom calls. So it's like the information's out there, but I don't think people really understand that it's out there so easily. Like people get so intimidated by this several hundreds of thousands of dollars you're, you know, you're, you're thinking of buying. And I think that makes people very intimidated that they don't even want to pursue to look for the information. They just automatically take it off the table and say, you know what? It sounds too difficult. So I'm just, I'm, I'm okay. I'm cool. I'm cool right here. I'm comfortable right here. I'll just keep paying rent. Honestly, that's what I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, and I'll say I'll just say, you know, to play a little devil's advocate. I think that some people do want to do want to purchase it. They were aware of the information, but some of the hurdles that some people have is like like one thing I've heard a lot is that, you know, I want to buy this house and it's like a, you know, uh four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar house, let's say, five hundred thousand dollar house. And they're like, Yeah, you're gonna need twenty percent down. Yeah. And so they're like, hold on, let me do the math real quick on that. (laughs) (laughs) 10% of $500,000 is $50,000, $50,000 times two. Hold on, $100,000 I got to give you to get this house? What in the world, right? So I'll just keep reading because I don't got that kind of money, number one. And and I don't think, I don't know if I'll ever get that kind of money. That's what a lot of people may be thinking.
2: Or that um, is my annual income, I got to live throughout the year. So how am I going to even afford to save that?
1: Exactly. So I want to, I know you have a really, like, really good story about your first home. And what took, in particular, to make that happen. Um, Yeah. And so just share with us a little bit about uh, that journey. Yeah, you know. I I know people out out there may not have heard it before.
2: Yeah. No, I don't think, I mean, only friends and family from way back when, in 2003, oh, really? <laughs> know the story.
1: <laughs>
3: um, okay.
2: But yeah, okay. you know, I, I knew early on, I was not going to buy real estate in the Bay Area. Number one, even though we could afford it, I didn't want all of our income to go towards the house. Because I'm like, well, we got to live, mm. like, you know, this is a 30 year project. We got to live so we aren't going to be overextended. So, in my mindset, the way that me and my husband handle our finances is we live life on one person's income. So, if we wanted to be homeowners back then, we need to stick to that formula because that formula worked for us. Now that's hard. That's that's hard to do in the Bay Area. So we ventured out. We're like, okay, well, let's go to the East Bay. Okay. Nope, still too expensive. Okay, let's go a little bit further into Tracy. Nope, still too expensive. Where well, eventually we ended up in Stockton. And, and when I was researching, I was basically researching the average, you know, home price and 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 what was the closest, cheapest city to the Bay and it was Stockton. It was actually Lathrop, but Mm. there was no housing there yet. It was complete farmland. Mm. So I'm like, well, if I live there, I'm going to have to drive to Stockton or to Tracy to go shopping. And that's not happening. Mm. So I went further out, you know, and, and me, then I started thinking, okay, well, how much do homes cost? And then I started seeing a lot of new construction, new builders, new constructions come, you know, communities being built houses at a time. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I could buy a brand new house for 223,000 or I can buy somebody else's old house for 200,000. No, I think I want my own new house. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, and even then that was base price. 223,000 was base price by the time you start adding, you know, the upgrades, the flooring, the countertops, the cabinets,
1: right. very quickly. I look, look nice, got look nice, right?
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> very quickly does that home price start to rise. But even so, by the time we we're said and done, I'm like, you know what, this is what we want. We need to sacrifice. Like, even though we were already budgeting on half of our income, I wanted to be the buyer that came to the table with 20% down. Now you didn't have to, there's all kinds of programs. There's first time home buyers down payment assistance, like the government giving people free money to buy. There are, you know, Down as little as two percent, as little as three percent, as little as five percent, like twenty percent is the old school traditional way, but it's not the only way.
1: But little as like two percent down, they do they have oh
2: yeah, yeah. So two percent of five hundred thousand is a whole lot better than twenty percent, (laughs) right? That's
1: right, that show is.
2: (laughs) But see, people don't realize that they Mm -hmm. think or they may hear what they've been Taught by somebody else way back when when it was only twenty percent down. Mm. So when when we bought, it was twenty percent down. Or you can do ten percent down. You can do two loans, an eighty percent loan, and then a, a second loan for ten percent, and then ten percent down. But then I didn't. I didn't want to have two loans. Like there was options back then, but I'm like, you know what? No, we're going to sacrifice and we're going to come to the table twenty percent down. So literally me and hubby buckled down. Like we did not eat out. We didn't hang out with our friends for a whole year. We lived to bare bones. And mind you, we had a one-year-old son. Actually, he was two years old at the time. So you got to add on diapers and formula and all that stuff, right? But I said, you know what? I want to make this happen. So we sacrificed and we just did what it took. And sure enough, in one year, we were able to save eighty-two thousand dollars.
1: Hold on, so you say no eating out. So you mean no Olive Garden, no, <laughs> no, no, no bowling, no, no boy- going
2: to the movies or the drive, the drive-ins or the skate really? rink. none of that, none of that. <laughs>
1: wow. Of that. Okay.
2: It was tough. I mean, so for me, the type of person that I am. I am very goal oriented. So if I make a goal, like I'm going to stick to it. I have no problems. No one, like I'm laser focused. Nobody's going to intervene. Nobody's going to distract hubby. We need to reward him sometimes. If we're saving a lot of money, He's like, can we go get a milkshake, please? (laughs) I'm like, really? Do we really need that milkshake? Like, we can make one at home. (laughs) But that's the balance. Like, that's the balance. Like, I am, I am the saver and the conservative one. He is like, let's go have fun and do with it later.
1: (laughs) Mm, Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, (laughs) well, I could, you know, I I love that story because, um, you know, you. I think okay, when you say twenty percent, so just so people have a, an idea of what that actually was like what what was that number what, what was what was twenty percent down well
2: well for me eighty two thousand was twenty percent down
1: eighty two thousand dollars, and you did upgraded, that in your twenties
2: we upgraded that house like nobody's business, so instead <laughs> of it being like two twenty three it was like two ninety.
1: Oh wow. Wow. Well that's I mean still that's just amazing. Um yeah. shows you what determination um you know can oh, get you. Well, and not yeah.
2: all of that went to the loan. A lot okay. of it we saved. Why? Because when you buy a new house, what are you going to want? You're going to want the new TV, you're going to want the new sofa, you're yeah. going to need washer and dryer.
3: <laughs>
2: refrigerator. So we had already planned not just to buy the house, but what are the necessities we need to live in that house? Mm-hmm. Because you know, when you move, the old couch don't look good in the new house.
1: Yeah, that's right. Got so new swag, new new swag, new drip, right? I we mean got you don't work.
2: need it, but all of a sudden you're a homeowner, so you're like, wait a minute, like I think this'll look nice in the house. So we had mm-hmm. already just budgeted ahead of time. To create that savings so that we can be able to do that.
0: Hey, quick break here. Sorry to interrupt the podcast. We'll get you right back to it. We just want to spend a few seconds to talk about the Empower You financial group on Facebook. This is Eva's private Facebook group where she gives free tips, tricks, and strategies to improve your financial situation. Join the over 1,000 plus member community and see the success stories of people just like you who want to live life on their own terms. Come laugh with us, tell your story, and share your victories. Just search Empower You Financial in Facebook and join our free private group. Oh, and be sure to invite a friend
1: yeah so you so you bought that the new house you guys are in the new house and so talk to me then like you know because some people um buy a home they're happy with that home um i've heard of people being able to literally like finance their children's education Mm
3: -hmm. from the purchase of
1: one home like they they get the home they get in there for a while uh their, their son turns 18, he's, you know, some money for college, they refi, yep. give him some money. Then yep. their daughter, a couple of years behind, refi, <laughs> you know, refi, yeah. you know and, and, and it basically, and I've heard them even be able to start businesses and, you know, do things like that. Just from, just from that asset, just from that one asset, they've been able to do that. Yep. And then there's people too that, that are fortunate enough to, you know, to have that kind of situation. Then there's people who make a decision of, okay, I bought one home, let me get some more. Yeah. And continue to build this thing and, and in investment properties. So talk to me about your decision around that, because you're one of those people who didn't just stop at one home. Yeah. Um, I know you've, you've, you've been able to purchase multiple homes and also help out your family members too, in the process. Um, you know, in terms of just, you know, your knowledge around real estate and just all the stuff you got. So talk to us about that. Why did you continue to keep buying? Like, what? <laughs> why not just stop at one? The, 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 right? the pimped out, the pipped out house that you got the first time. Why, right?
2: Why? <laughs> <laughs> right? Because that house was 2,600 square feet, five bedrooms, two and a half baths, two story. Like, mm. And like 10 minutes walking distance from the high school. Um, there you go. Three minutes drive time from shopping. Like, who? Why would you give that up, right? And... um I mean, at the end of the day, it it comes down to this as years go by and as life changes to, to us, our desires and our dreams just got bigger, you know, just because we bought the house, guess what hubby likes to just randomly take drives to go visit new home communities by himself. And then he falls in love and he comes home he's like, babe, you got to check out this house. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. We bought this house in 04. You're coming to me in 06 to look at another house like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but even before then, to talk a little bit about what you just said, because that is super key. You buy a house, equity gets built, people pull from that equity and do other things with it. Yes. People do do that. The question is, is, are you making the right moves? Now, here's Mm -hmm. what we did. We bought, we were very strategic. When we bought a new home construction, we chose a development that was in the beginning stages. So we visited, you know, the the office, the sales office, talked with the agents. Back then in 04, it was lottery. So you had to camp out in order to buy the house because there were so many investors buying four or five houses at a time. Like it was ridiculous. But we chose that development because that development was going to have four stages, which basically meant every stage that rolled out, they rolled out 25 houses at a time. So they build 25. Guess what? As you build property values increase. So by the time when we bought purchase price 223000 by the time that development finished developing two years later, the house was now worth $550,000. Ooh. It more than doubled. Whoa. Yeah. In 2006. Right. And I'm pretty sure as, as people hear these dates, they remember when mm-hmm. the market was wonderful at that time. I do so, remember. what we saw was, well, wait a minute. We came to the table with 80000 Okay. We only owe about 210 after upgrades and whatever. If we sell it, which two years is what you need to do to live in the property as a primary residence to avoid capital gains tax. You have to remain in the property for two years. We were married, so capital gains tax, we were allowed $500,000. We, if we sold, we'd make $200,000 plus. Mm -hmm. To where then, we're like, well, wait a minute, we can take that, buy a bigger house, put all that money down, or do crazy stuff, whatever, right? But what we did is we refinanced the property. We refinanced the property. We pulled cash out to fully landscape our backyard, which included a swimming pool and a spa. So that was our first home. So we cashed out and we got 55,000 to do our yard. And then on top of that, we pulled out an extra 25,000. And that twenty five thousand we used to get married.
3: Mm.
2: We had the most beautiful wedding ever. It was at the Wine and Roses Hotel in Lodi. Two hundred guests. Nobody paid for our wedding. We didn't have to ask family for help. We didn't have to like like budget and like do like. We had the wedding of our dreams, and those who attended still talk about our wedding. But. To be able to buy a house two years later, do things like that and make moves and not get into debt to get married and all of this stuff. I love when people take money and turn those investments into something that is going to either one, build more memories or two, allow them to make more money. When you pull equity out of your property, the goal is to put it back into the property to raise the value even more. So we did that with the pool. But then we also did it to get married. So um yeah.
1: yeah that's was crazy. It's beautiful. Yeah, was well, there's crazy, a balance yeah. there. But yeah. I mean, and, but the cool thing about that too, when you think about it is so you do something to invest back into the property, which raises the value, which yep. which ultimately pays you, right? Yes. But you also do something too, um, that was, you know, obviously really meaningful for you and will, yep. um, and, and something that you can create lifelong memories around. Um,
3: Absolutely. We um, still
1: and, feel good
2: about that yeah. experience. And that's, what's yeah. so important is making sure that whatever money decisions you do, that you feel good about it. Even if we were to pull out equity to put our kids through college, that is amazing like Mm -hmm. that, that right there is definitely an investment, right? (laughs) Or to do other things, pull equity out and buy the second property, buy a rental property that's going to drive in more income to your household. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, homeownership, I mean, obviously just in the history of the United States, one of the the best investments you can possibly make, right?
3: Yeah. History
1: will tell you that. I mean, our our country is really founded on that kind of principle of real estate. Um, so many, so many people. It's so many, so much a part of wealthy people's uh, portfolio. It it can't be understated. Yeah. Um But you know, at the same time, um, home ownership. I mean, it sounds beautiful. I mean, you were saying, you know, just all these great things about the equity and all that. But, but. <laughs> Uh, one thing I can say about, you know, rent <laughs> is that, uh, you know, when something's not working right, it's not my problem. I just got to call somebody and be yeah. like, yo, your your stuff is broke. Come fix it. Right. <laughs> and hopefully you got a good property manager and they yeah. do what they're supposed to do. But uh, I mean, so just tell me a little bit about that, you know, being a homeowner and some of the challenges that you that are inherent with homeownership. Uh, that people may not be aware of.
2: And I can totally speak of that because when we did buy our second home, we kept the first home and we rented it out. And, you know, me being the person that I am and the investigator and the researcher and, you know, making sure everybody's on point, we had had signed an annual, a one-year lease with three different tenants that were all- wonderful paid on time paid early mm. no drama and granted i mean our house was brand new still 2004 so you don't really need to like fix anything unless they break something which you know if they break something then i gotta go over there and i gotta go handle it right um so i mean those are things to consider too dependent upon the age of the home and things like that but for us It was actually pretty easy because you didn't really, nothing was breaking. It was still, you know, relatively new. And if it did break, guess what? A lot of it was still under the home builder's warranty. So all we did was call them up. They'd come out and fix it. So just pass the (laughs) buck. Exactly. So it's kind of like, okay, wait a minute. I don't need a property manager because I'm still under warranty. Okay. This, this is pretty dope. Um, But then we get the fourth tenant. And that tenant looked so fabulous on paper, was at her job in an insurance company in the Bay Area for 30 plus years. Her husband was retired. He had his retirement check, plus his social security. There was four times more income than my rent. So I'm like, psh, Piece of cake. Like, they're never going to ever be a risk to not pay. Mm. Everything was marvelous. Cash, you know, first month's rent, second month's rent, plus a deposit. I'm like, what the heck? And they signed a three-year lease. So I'm like, I'm good for the next three years. Three years. Yes, three years. Month number one, they were late with their payments. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no 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 hold on hold month on time
2: number <laughs> one they were late with their payment i'm like are you what i'm like okay okay maybe something happened okay month mm-hmm. number two they were late with their payment month number three the whole first year they were late with their payments every single month gladly paying the late fee but i'm like okay wait a minute because they were so late after the 15th when a mortgages payment was due, we had to come out of pocket to pay that payment. So not only did we have to pay wow. our own payment, we had to pay their payment and hope they would pay us back.
3: Hope they, uh...
2: Yeah. So fast forward time, we had to evict them. And in San Joaquin County back in 2010, that was not easy to do because there were a lot of foreclosures. There was a lot of, a lot of ugliness. Hmm. So it literally took San Joaquin County six months to evict them. So on top of being late for one year, when they found out that they were getting evicted, they just didn't pay at all. So they sat in our property for six months without paying. Wow. And then... When the sheriff showed up to evict them, they weren't there, but they completely trashed the place. On top of living there for six months free, they trashed the place. Oof. So, you know, I don't play. I got a judgment. They owe me lots of money the question is any listener out there listening who can help me collect this judgment? Cause it's about 20 G's right now. (laughs) But, um, such a con artist, such a con artist. And then later I ended up finding out and it's so crazy because I did my due diligence in the beginning, in the end, when I went to go file for those court docs for eviction and all of that good stuff, three other evictions popped up on her record that weren't there before.
3: Whoa, and I'm whoa, like, whoa, whoa. Yes. Out. Yes. No. How does that happen? How does that yeah. happen?
1: Ow. Wow.
3: Yeah.
1: Wow. So no wonder they came with so much money up front because they were like, let me overwhelm you with... <laughs> right? Let
2: me kill her with kindness and let me yeah. you know be on my best behavior and come up with cash and do everything that that she asks so that once I'm in, oh yeah. And you best believe tenants have more rights than landlords do. I mean, and and don't get me wrong, like I've heard horror stories mm-hmm. on what oh. landlords do to their tenants. Exactly. But don't let that fool you. Tenants have more rights than landlords do. I couldn't just go in and kick them out. Nope. Mm-hmm. Had to wait six months. Yeah, it was all bad. Wow. Like that was. A very stressful time in my life that I said, you know what, never again will I ever be a landlord because this literally just, it, it was a straw that broke the camel's back. I was done.
1: Wow. So, wow, man, I did, wow, that is, that is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the first time I'm hearing that story. That is wow. Um, yeah. So, so, and you're still in real estate.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so explain explain that. What? <laughs> so,
2: I think for for us, you know, the the lesson definitely was if you're going to invest in real estate, obviously, make sure you have enough cash flow to float that property if the tenant fails to pay. I just feel in California, it's so hard to do unless you've got a lot of money sitting in the bank account that you're okay with that. So what really, really opened my eyes was last year. And and again, you know, in my seven year entrepreneurial journey, um, last year I had attended a, a, a conference where I got educated. It was through Eric Thomas's conference. Yeah. Jamal King, who is the, um, the, the nine-to-five millionaire, and he was talking about real estate investing. And mm-hmm. I have to admit, in the beginning, I was like not even trying to listen. You know, it's a seminar. It was, you know, a, a, an all-day event with different topics, different speakers, and he was doing the real estate investing side. So when that category came up, I was like half listening because I was already mental blocked. I'm not getting into that. But he started talking about real estate investing and he lives in Chicago and I have family in Chicago. Like my dad has a big family and like, I got like cousins and all kinds of people out there. And and I have a very huge team out there. So when he said Chicago, like my, 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 my radar kicked on. And then he started talking about these, these properties and, and how you can buy like what we call a duplex out here over there. It's called a two flat. You can buy a property for like fifty thousand dollars, and then rehab it. You know, put in another fifty to a hundred thousand, depends on the property. But then rent it out, and since you got two units, one unit will pay for the mortgage, and you have the other unit to completely pocket.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: You can buy a four unit or a six unit. I mean, sky's the limit, right? So I started hearing these numbers. I'm like are you kidding me right now? Like, is it that cheap? Cause you know, I'm, I'm born and raised Cali girl. Like I only know these prices. So when I was here in the Midwest, I'm like, wait a minute. Are you kidding me right now? So because of that course and the information and the team of people, the real estate, the attorney, the loan officer, all of these people that all play a part in real estate investing, because I literally had conversations with them and coaching calls with them that they just educated me here's how you go about investing in real estate. See, before we just said, Well, we bought another house, so let's just rent out our old house. We weren't trying to be real estate investors. We're just like, Okay, it sounds like a great idea, right? Uneducated. It was good in the beginning. Then we got burned and we're like, nope, off the table. So now fast forward time, now we're really educated in the real estate investing space. So because of that information, because of the type of people that are involved, that's what allowed us to say, you know what? Let's give it another chance. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least we're not talking for $500,000. We're talking maybe a hundred grand, which is still a lot of money. But when you're comparing the two price tags, it just made more sense to us to take that leap of faith and try it again.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I think um, that makes sense Um, because it's it's still a, it's still an asset. It's still, what it sounds like to me is that you kind of have, you know, with the information that you now have. Um, and it sounds like the team of people that you can kind of draw from yeah. there's probably all these types of scenarios that they you know either have covered or will will could cover uh should you run into them and it right. sounds like um the focus may be a little bit different too is it are you, is your intention to just put um tenants in there or are you looking to flip it or like what what's your um what's your intention with some of these Chicago investments? <laughs>
2: So I'm still not 100% keen on the whole landlord thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I say, you know what? Let me just kind of like double dutch my way in and let's see okay. if it'll work. So right now, our goal is to fix and flip. Our goal is to, to our, our goal and our vision is to fix and flip rehab neighborhoods to allow the locals to move in who May have never even thought home ownership was on the radar, but because we're going in there and fixing and flipping and making neighborhoods look nice, they now have a little tiny grain of hope that they can be able to also be homeowners. So, our goal, my vision is to fix and flip and profit my first million before I hold on to any properties. Cause I need that cushion in case anybody like fails to pay me. Mm. <laughs> that <like> a good <laughs> I know it's a big cushion, but you know, not all of it yeah. for real estate, but, um, but yeah, so, so far so good. We've got one property that, that is about to, to finish completion. So we're super excited about that. And then once that's done, you know, we, we invested a little bit. Profits should be very favorable. We'll see. I, I, I always say, you know, we don't celebrate until we get that signature and close on the deal and see how much cash to, you know, transcribe from that transaction. Um, but yeah, then we take that money, roll it over again, do it some more until eventually we accumulate a large savings plan.
1: That's awesome. Well. Wow. Um, that is our time. Um, thank you so much, Eva, again for, you know, sharing that experience with us. Yeah. Uh, if there was uh another um well just one more thing that you could kind of share with people who are still kinda on the fence um about homeownership, haven't really, you know, made the decision yet or you know, or they're they're looking to do it but they're still kinda not really at that place. What would you say to those those individuals who are still kinda, you know on the fence and want to do it, but they're just like, ah.
2: Yeah. I actually got two, two key pointers for those guys. Number one, don't listen to somebody who has not bought real estate for themselves. There's so many people out here that are listening to the wrong people. Now's not the time to buy. The rates are going to get lower. The rates right now are insane and crazy as it may sound yeah, we're dealing with the pandemic, but I have never been busier with helping people look at their credit, to look at their finances, to see if they're good candidates for home ownership. So many people are buying right now. It's ridiculous because the rates are low. So one, don't listen to somebody who has never bought real estate. Number two, surround yourself amongst the people who have. They have the knowledge. I tell people this, you know, I offer a lot of different um, you know, different how do you say it, coaching. And in my credit report session where I go over your credit reports and I talk about how to get the score you need to get to get yourself the best interest rate in that for that home loan, I talk about here is why you want to talk about and think about getting into home ownership. And I talk to them a little about the lending process and all of that. But let's say your credit scores are good and you just want that unbiased. I'm not a loan officer. I'm not a realtor. I'm not somebody that's going to sway you in a certain way. I'm going to tell you, here are the things you want to look at and consider and be aware of when it comes time to buying your first house. Call me up. We can definitely set up a session for that.
1: All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, so, you guys that are out there listening, uh, Eva can help you out. She's ready, prepared, and very knowledgeable about what it takes to, you know, be credit worthy, which is a big uh, part of home uh, getting um, um, qualified for a home, but not everything. Yeah. And so, she will be able to walk you through all that. So, if you're interested, um, then you know we'll uh, let you know how you can connect with her. And with that, thank you guys so much. And we will see you guys next week.
3: Thank you.
0: back.